Welcome to Interruptions Podcast, where we have heartfelt and sacred discussions about our culture, faith traditions, and community. We invite guests who are open and willing to share their journey and disrupt the silence on their personal and professional interruptions that have impacted their lives as it relates to emotional wellness. Kathy and I are passionate about every episode and committed to providing actionable advice about you can apply today to reinvent yourself on your life journey and encourage you to develop a path toward healing. I am your host, Odell Cooper. My co-host, Kathy, is taking a personal day off. She is resting. So we are talking about the art of healing, and I'm hoping that she's going to listen to the show and pick and join me one day and go to a session with our host today, with our guest today, and her name is Shirley Hawk. And she is the master, I'm calling you the master, Shirley. You are the master teacher of the um, Tai Chi Center in Milford, Connecticut, correct? Orange. Milford Orange, where are you? <laughs> it's right on like that orange Milford border, but we're on the orange side. You're on the orange side. Well, Shirley, welcome to Interruptions. Thank you so much, Odell. It is such a pleasure to be here. Such an honor to be here on the show with you and to have this conversation. So thank you for having me. Thank you. I have to tell our guests how you met, how we met. Um, if you've been following us, which I know that our guests have, uh, I had a brain aneurysm uh, four years ago and didn't listen to my doctor and kept trying to go back to work, wanted to resume all of my normal activities. And as you have seen the show, if you read my book, you know the story and Shirley's in the book. And he said, listen, you're not going to be able to resume your lifestyle that you had before, but what I want you to do is take Tai Chi. And I was like, well, why Tai Chi? He's like, cause you keep bumping into things that aren't moving. You've been in this office for 20 years and you keep bumping into things. And I see that you're not walking well. So he says, Tai Chi is going to help you with your balance. It's going to help you to walk straight. It's going to help you to get back and start talking to people again. And he says, it's, he says, and I'm trying to help you to live a long life. So I want you to take Tai Chi. And he says, plus I'll be there so I'm able to keep an eye on you. Mm -hmm. So I started going to class. I met Shirley, started taking classes. And voila, it was wonderful. But Shirley, our guest knows nothing about you. So please tell us about your background, where you're from, and your family so they can get comfortable with you while we're here. Oh, it would be my pleasure to share a little bit about my story. So I was born in New York in 1974, and uh, December 1974, so it'll be my 47th birthday coming up in just a couple of weeks. Um, but right after I was born, my parents, they were jewelers. They came to New York as immigrants, and they opened up a jewelry store. And right after I was born, they had this major burglary in mm. the, their store. They lost everything. It, they, the, the thieves cracked the safe, wiped them out. They didn't have insurance. It was an immigrant Chinatown business. So they had to rebuild 
and I went to Taiwan uh, and my grandparents raised me. I only had one set of grandparents. My father's parents passed away before he was even married. So I only had the one set of grandparents um, on my mom's side and I went and lived with them and they raised me. And then also my sister, three and a half years later, we grew up there in our youth. And then after my parents were able to get back on their feet. So that was a major interruption in their lives. Yes. Um, you know, my, my mom, she got married when she was 19 and okay. she had me when she was 20. So she needed to actually learn two languages when she moved to the United States, because at that time in New York's Manhattan Chinatown, they speak Cantonese and she was from Taiwan and she spoke Mandarin. So she had to okay. learn Cantonese and English and uh, learn how to run a business because uh, they had a business to run. So they did all of that. And then um, in the middle of second grade was when uh, I came back. That was around when my younger brother was born. And uh, so like that was the very beginning of my experience where I learned about resiliency. That's my first exposure <laughs> to resiliency and having to be a adaptable because I went to school in Taiwan. But then, you know, we would come back to New York and I would spend a, a, a couple of months in uh, a school in New York and I would go back to Taiwan. Um, so that's how I spent my youth. Um, and I went Jill, I have to ask mm-hmm. you, not to interrupt you, but I have to ask you. So we always ask our guests, which Looking back over your life, what would you consider to be an interruption, mm-hmm. you know, your first interruption? So obviously what I'm hearing is that you had to leave your family. Mm-hmm. You went to Taiwan, not even back to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. You went to Taiwan. Yeah. And then you had to leave Taiwan yeah. and to come back to the United States. Yeah, that was um, probably in, oh, you know, my first interruption probably in my little mind was when Uh my sister, my younger sister was born. She was my interruption because I went from being the center of everyone's attention (laughs) (laughs) to now having a much cuter younger sister who took everyone's attention. So, so yes, that's good. That's, you know, I, I tell the story that I had my son because my daughter was not meant to be the only child. Um, she, she, she needed some company. So Shirley, looking back, which was, which trans, which interruption other than your sister was more challenging for you going to Taiwan or coming back to the United States? You know, so because I went as a baby, I didn't know that as an interruption. So in my first memories, um, they were in Taiwan and uh, the interruption of leaving Taiwan to come back to the United States was a pretty big interruption for me because uh, things were just so different. 
And I had to go and take ESL classes because even though I did attend the American school, I mm -hmm. wasn't really speaking English、um, in the American school. So when I came back to the United States, I had to take ESL and learn American culture.、Um, Yeah, so that was, even though I、difficult. was an American citizen, I was born here, I had to learn American culture. Yeah. So, Shelly, looking back at the two cultures, what is some, was there anything that you, well, sure, there was a Asian culture that you had to adapt to, that you brought with you back to the United States, that you hung on to? Was there anything that you did? That, you know, because they always say that, you know, when if you're growing up in the United States, let's say around the 70s, which I was growing up around the 70s, all the young girls, we all had afros, <laughs> you know, or we all did something the same. So, is there anything that was cultural and typical for young people when you were growing up in Taiwan?、Um, so, in Taiwan, it's a very laid back. Back kind of place because it's in the tropics.、Uh, mm -hmm. So it's a very uh, uh, different. So it, it's a little bit different than if you were in like mainland China.、Uh, okay. just, it has a different vibe, a different influence. It, used, it was a Japanese colony and there is some Japanese influence in there as well as a lot of American influence and of course Chinese influence. So、okay. I, I didn't actually feel. Too much of a change in terms of the vibe. I lived in Taipei, which is a big city. And then、okay. my、um, my family,、uh, they were in New York. My parents' business was in New York City. So I went from big city back to big city.、Um, and in Chinatown, it's Chinatown. So it's all Chinese people. So that wasn't so much of a change there. But My parents、um, moved out into the New York suburbs, and that was a big change.、I'm、going from、um, so that was when I came、um, back in seven, in, in when I was like seven,、um, eight, middle of second grade. That's、mm -hmm. when they moved out to the suburbs.、Okay. And、um, so that was probably the biggest change. Is just、um, going from city to suburb and,、um, and, and not seeing that many Chinese people.、Um, okay. you know, it, it, so, growing、yeah. up in a very a of, white a suburb. Cultural was, changes. Yeah, that was a big <laughs> cultural change.、Um, but my parents' business was still in New York, Chinatown. So,、okay. every weekend I was still in Chinatown. So, I feel like you know, it still had. The Chinese culture around me.、Um, right. There's so many Chinese people in New York City. So, Shoni, when did you get in? When did you first realize、uh, martial arts?、Mm. Because Tai Chi is a form of martial arts.、It、when、is. I see you,、uh, when I'm in class and I'm watching you, and it's, it's a form of martial arts. So, when did you first realize this is something you wanted to do? So,、um, I found it by accident, by literal 
accident. I tore my ACL in my right <laughs> knee and I needed surgery. I actually retore my ACL. I had torn it once already because I was mm -hmm. a student athlete growing up and I ran track. And in eighth grade, we were doing these oh, terrible, terrible jumping exercises that I'm sure they would never do now. But back in okay. 1988, I don't think high school track coaching was at the same <laughs> level. So we did these really dangerous jumping exercises and I landed bad and I tore my ACL. So then um, I wound up finding martial arts mm. and I was doing uh, other kinds of martial arts, external martial arts, and um, wanted it to feel strong, to um, get discipline in my life, to find focus. Um, and I never thought of Tai Chi. Like if you asked really? me then, um, I would not have even have put Tai Chi within the realm of martial arts. Like to me, even though I was Chinese, I still had the misconception that it was something that you did when you got older. It was okay. an older person kind of exercise. Um, and that wasn't really within the realm of my 20 something year old mind as what right. I would pursue. But then I tore my ACL and I needed surgery Ouch. and I had to recover from my surgery and I didn't want to not do anything. So lucky for me, my master, she taught wushu kung fu and tai chi and she is okay. one of the best um in the world at how both. did you meet her how did you meet her ah i scoured every single martial arts school in the new haven area until mm -hmm. i found the right school and the right teacher because when i left new york I had the privilege of studying under a great school, under a great teacher. And when you have already experienced um, somebody who is really at the cream of the crop, it's really okay. hard to go down from there. <laughs> I was really spoiled because my first introduction was like, at such a high caliber Okay. And and so I went and I actually visited every single martial arts school in the New Haven area. And I didn't limit myself to any style. I was just looking wow. for the right environment um, with the right teacher who had the right focus with the right students who had the right focus. Like that was the most important. And I had a very hard time finding the teacher and the school until I found Master Ping's school. Well, and then, um, so the first thing I did was after I found her, I went and I visited, I checked it out. I actually drove the hour and a half back to New York to my old teacher to ask him, um, this is who I found, um, what do you think? And he wow. said, you have a absolute treasure up there um the, it, it's amazing that somebody from her background and caliber is there and he said um now was her school in new haven new haven or still uh, no. where you so are now at that time in 
it was in orange, but in a different okay. location. Different yes. Location. Yeah. So I want to take our audience a step back because I enjoyed us getting to know me getting to hear your story. So you're in New York, you and your sister, you know, long at the center of attention, you have a brother, and you end up going to college, where do you go to college? Yes, so I, um, one of I think the uh, limitations of children from mm. immigrants is that there is not really a an exposure to all the possible professions that exist in the world. Um, okay. So growing up, there were just a few things that um, were, I think, within my realm of reality of what I would do when I got older. There was doctor, which was not going to be in my reality because I was terrible in biology. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was not good in biology, so I wasn't going to be a doctor. Um, and there were lawyers, uh, engineers, and business, uh, or you went into business. <laughs> and so my... you're naming very high caliber <laughs> careers for someone I... that says we didn't have a lot of options. But like those... you're throwing off some very high options, Shirley. <laughs> those were like the options that are presented to really a Chinese child. And um, my parents were business people and uh, they were tapped into other business people. So uh, my, my uncles and aunts were uh, also business. They had their own businesses. So business was kind of the thing that was closest to what I thought I would do just because I had most exposure to it. And uh, so I went to University of Chicago and I studied economics. I didn't initially plan on going to University of Chicago. I actually got a scholarship to NYU and Mm -hmm. my plan was to go to NYU and go to Stern. And I even had a scholarship, but my parents didn't want me to stay in New York because they thought that if I stayed in New York and I stayed with my best friend, we would not be (laughs) doing so well in school. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, When I graduated high school, we were very close. There were four of us that were very close friends. And our parents clearly told us, you all will not be going to the same college. (laughs) So don't, you all can look, you can do what you want, but we are not paying for it. And they felt it would limit us. So they encouraged us to choose different schools. So that's why you ended up going to Chicago. That's right. So I went to University of Chicago, um, many, many, many miles away where I didn't know anyone. And I, but that's where I met my husband. So okay. we, we met our freshman year in college. And uh, so uh, I've known him for more than half of my life. And uh, Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. And you have how many children? We have two. So my daughter's okay. 13 and my son Ooh. is 11. Okay. You have your hands full. <laughs> so you graduate from Chicago. You obviously come back to New Haven. And to New York. New York. New York. Yeah. And you end up in New Haven. Now you were telling me that you were working at Yale. Yale yes. University. Yes. What was that like for you? 
It was a wonderful experience. Um, I had a really, really great experience working at Yale, and I wound up working there for 15 years. Mm. Uh, um, I, I, I started out in the financial reporting area, and then I, I stayed within Yale Central Finance and um, advanced my career there. So I went from being in charge of analysis to them being in charge of financial reporting and analysis, um, doing the annual report, audited financial statements. And then I went over to financial planning and analysis because they needed somebody to train uh, a whole slew of recent college graduates and mm -hmm. Yale's finances are very, very complicated. So they uh, created a role for me to focus on training. So that okay. was when I incorporated learning and development into my, my job because a lot of everybody has a different learning style. Um, okay. And at the same time, my Yale finance career advanced. I was studying Tai Chi. So, yes. and, and I had the support of Yale to allow me to pursue my Tai Chi uh, st studies as well, because I needed to take time off to go and do training and do and, uh, and do competitions. So Yale has been such a supportive, okay. um, they were such a supportive employer. And then even now, so I, 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 left my finance career because now see, that's yes. what's interesting you <laughs> left Yale do you know I, how many people are trying I for know. years to get in I know and you say I'm leaving Yale I, I I left I and I didn't intend to leave to be honest I actually intended to go all the way until early retirement. I planned it all out. <laughs> I, I planned every little bit of it out. I went into the pension plan and because wow. I was planning to retire there at age 55 with full retirement, with all the benefits that come with being fully vested. So I had this plan and it was perfect on paper. It was so perfect on paper. <laughs> so we are married. You speak two, three languages. You have two children. You're on a wonderful track at Yale that people would die for. Mm -hmm. And people are, and I know people are trying to get into Yale. And we have a mutual friend, my sorority sister, Debbie McCauley. Oh, she was <laughs> such an amazing supporter of mine at Yale. Uh, she's, I view her as a mentor. She is just incredible. <laughs> she she's does a mentor for me too. She's just outstanding. So you decide to leave and to take over the school. Yes. Why? I, I am probably University of Chicago's only econ degree holder to have ever made that career choice. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to do that because my master 
was going to sell the school. She, mm. the original plan was she was going to um, stay in Connecticut and her daughter was going to come back to Connecticut. And uh, that was the original plan. But her daughter really, really fell in love with Texas. She went uh, to Texas to school and then um, settled in Austin and decided that Austin was the place that she wanted to be. And she had kids. And so Master Ray Ping and her husband decided that that's where they're going to go if that's where the her her daughter and the grandkids are okay. going to be that's where they're going to go and so our school um and, and our school it's pretty special because it, it's now it, it's the 25th year anniversary this year okay i've been with the school for 20 years. So there was still a whole five years of history even before I arrived. And we have people at the school who were there from the beginning, the very beginning. Okay. And, um, and so many people have come and uh, have become a part of our family. And um, the question was, what happened to the school? She could sell it to somebody who wanted to buy the school, but then they had no, uh, they weren't part of our legacy. They right. the history, didn't, the connection. they didn't have that connection. And, you know, we really view ourselves as a family and um, we uh, were so, so passionate about oh, yes. I know. how it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. It you know, feels good. The school feels good to be there. I mean, yeah. I, when I started, of course, I look around and I'm like, okay, I'm the only one of color here, but it didn't stop me from coming because everybody was very helpful and welcoming. And I felt very robotic at first. <laughs> trying to it's like what are you saying what are you doing you know crouching tiger and you're <laughs> calling out moves and, and and next steps and it seemed like everybody knew what to do next except for me oh you that's know, so not true though <laughs> it, it, it was because if your foot is not the right place for the next step it's you're tripping you're falling and i was tripping and falling anyway and there was, no, no, do this, step back, do this, take, you know, and bending. One of the things that I learned to appreciate in Tai Chi are knees. Mm -hmm. Being able to bend yeah. and to get up. Yeah. I said, let me tell you, I need to take better care of my knees because to watch you all, watch you <laughs> bend and come up with such grace and simplicity. I said, where does she get these knees from? <laughs> so, I mean, so for our audience, and I, and I know you're here for more than for me. I want to introduce the world to you because of what you've done for me oh, in so terms much. of being able to have a better sleep pattern, being able to know how to relax and to rest, to have balance, to have posture, and I never knew that I wasn't relaxed until you would say during during our meditation time, the music would come on and you would say, relax your ears. And I would go, what do you mean 
and relax your ears. Really relax your ears, relax your neck, your shoulders, your fingers. I never realized how tense my body was until I came to Tai Chi. Yeah. And that's the the biggest revelation that people have when they start Tai Chi. It's something that they didn't know that they needed until they tried it. Because so many people live with this baseline of tension everywhere in their body that they don't even realize is there until it's gone. But you aren't able to let it go without somebody guiding you. Otherwise, you it would be gone already. Uh, so that's why, you know, when people are stressed out, the least helpful thing to hear from somebody is just relax. <laughs> As if, you know, you want to be tense. Nobody wants to be tense, but our bodies but don't, we know don't know how it. to relax. It's just this accumulation of all this stress and tension. So when somebody is finally able to guide you so that you can release that tension, then it's this revelation like, wow, I didn't even know that I was so tense there. Um, So that's the most important part. And, um, you know, my mission, so you know, I do have a mission that I want to accomplish. And I tell a lot of people that. A Tai Chi um, mission, a personal mission? I do, mission. a Tai Chi mission. A tai so you no longer the pension plan. No longer <laughs> look at that mission, that purpose. That's right, that's right. So I actually always correct people when they say, you know, oh, I admire you that you have decided to pursue your passion, that you've decided to, um, you know, follow your passion. And I, I say that this isn't, a passion. I I, I am mm. passionate about Tai Chi, but I didn't quit my finance career to pursue a passion. It's a it's a greater purpose than passion because I really feel like there is something here that I discovered that greatly improved my own ability to manage stress and improve my mm. quality of life. That more people should know about that if everybody knew how to release that tension in their bodies where when you have all of these things that are coming at you that it doesn't make your body tense up that your body can stay relaxed through it you will be so much more productive and you'll be able to just live a much higher quality of life. And if more people um, could achieve that, then our world would be a better place. Like that's this purpose that I feel is driving me. So Shirley, I want to go back a step. So you're at Yale, Yale University in the finance department. The numbers are difficult. The program's analysis, they're tense. It's Yale. So you're talking lots of money. You're not talking hundreds of dollars anymore. You're talking <laughs> millions of dollars. That billions you're of dollars. Billions of dollars that you're managing. And I'm sure you're crunching numbers and it's stressful. You're managing stress and your coworkers are not. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm positive that that's kind of this high level of 
you can tell someone who works at Yale sometimes because they're just wired. You know, <laughs> people have wired. this misconception that um, corporate America is where the highest level of stress is. I actually, I, I've experienced corporate America and mm-hmm. I experienced higher ed. And it, it, the interesting thing is in corporate America, when you have a profit motive, that's an incentive for people to actually work together to so that everybody can achieve that profit motive. So there is high stress with high expectations, but people come together and work together because everybody can share in that profit. When that profit motive isn't there, you actually have a much more stressful environment because people mm. want to control their areas. And um, then you you wind up in a situation where you may have an institutional goal, but you don't have the buy-in from all the different players who need to come together to achieve that institutional goal. And that winds up being a very stressful environment for people who are trying to navigate that. Um, so I definitely saw and that's probably the first time because I I didn't start learning Tai Chi for stress management. I was learning Tai Chi for the martial art. I loved the internal power I was cultivating. I loved the martial applications. What do you mean the internal power? What does that mean? Yeah, so when you think of martial arts and you think of power, you probably think of external power that comes from muscles and I did that too where I did external martial arts and for somebody who is very slight like me I'm at a complete size and strength disadvantage to somebody bigger and um, so I had this period where I was doing all these weights to bulk up so that I could have (laughs) muscles and like if you saw me back then I had like these biceps and these shoulders and these triceps and um, you know wanted to get strong and have these muscles but um at the end of the day just only so much strength i can build on this body of mine and okay. matched up with somebody um and matched up with a, a man who just you know naturally is bigger and stronger if we ever did any kind of Um, contact um it's really just putting on a show of sparring where um i I was mimicking the actions and i knew in the back of my mind there is no way i would actually defeat this person if this were real life um but in tai chi it's a martial art that is not about that at all it's about how do you move with your whole body connected how do you channel the power that comes in from the ground through your body how do you generate power from being connected and how do you gain power through yielding as opposed to pushing so when somebody is pushing at you it's this philosophy, the Tai Chi philosophy is if somebody is pushing at you, if you push back and resist, you actually give them something to push against, right? If you think about how does the mechanic of a push even happen, you mm-hmm. need to find 
something to push against to push it. Yes. So Tai Chi is about taking that away from the person. Don't give them something to push to push back on. You, Shirley, you had a class and it just hit me. Forgot all about it. You had a little guy. He came and we did this exercise and of pushing but not touching. And we had to move out of the way. Remember that that class we had on a Sunday? And I was so amazed that he just said, just touch me, just push me, push me anywhere in my body. And everywhere, it doesn't matter how tall they were, how short they were, how big size, whenever they went to push, he moved. And he said, you all are using the energy, not me. Mm-hmm. And exactly. he was moving out of the way. And I was sitting there so amazed at what he was doing. And I had to say, if I knew how to do this when I was younger and our parents got a belt to beat us, <laughs> they couldn't have <laughs> find me because they would go to grab me and I would move. They would move now did you ever no seriously did you ever do this to your parents did you ever use the tai chi method on no, your parents i didn't know tai chi when i was okay. a kid <laughs> so but you know the thing is though i did use these tai chi applications um in my everyday life after i learned the martial arts philosophies and applications because okay. like for for me I'm not somebody who can actualize something just mm-hmm. from theory by being told something and it lives in my mind I can't really actualize it into my reality if it's just a theory I need to know it I need to, to feel it feel it um so for me like I I dated my husband for a long time. My husband, he's really into Zen Buddhism. He did a lot of sitting meditations when we first started dating. And this was before I did Tai Chi. He was trying to get me to um, do sitting meditation. And I couldn't do it. Like, I, just, <laughs> I could not do it. Uh, and he would like tell me all the theories about it. And I would try. And I just couldn't do it. But with Tai Chi, like I can do a standing tree pose meditation for like a full hour. And for me, it just because you feel so good, like when you You are able to actually relax every part of your body and you feel your whole entire body becoming one with itself and then you feel your mind becoming one with your body and then you feel your body becoming one with the earth and the 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 air um there's this sensation that now it's tangible and that i could bring into my life like i could feel that oh hey my posture now just has improved because in order to be able to feel these feelings your body needs to be in a certain position and then all of a sudden naturally like i used to always have my head like like most people like have my head out like this and over time 
time just for my tai chi practice i noticed hey like my my neck just naturally sits in a better position with my head on top and then hey in this position i can breathe better mm. oh hey like i i actually my back doesn't feel as bad my neck doesn't feel as bad my shoulder doesn't feel as bad so it's these positive little reinforcements that is um like self perpetuating into no, that alone right there back posture back pain something that we have uh, people have a lot of you know mm-hmm. back problems yeah, and i know I when i was that. in class and I was trying to move. He said, no, you're forcing the move. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how else does the hand move? How else does the body move? And it's like, it moves naturally. You yeah. don't move it. It just moves naturally. Don't push it. Yeah. And it was, okay, I don't push the move. I let it flow naturally. And then the next one comes just as graceful and natural. And the fingers, I mean, everything about learning Tai Chi and for me, it was getting through the first 10 steps. I said, I'm going to, and I had to write them down and I watched. And I, when I wasn't in class, I practiced. And Friday night at six o'clock is like, don't bother me. I'm leaving and I'm going to Tai Chi. And for one hour out of my life, and I didn't, I wasn't working. So I was home recovering. It was the best hour of my day because I could relax, not worry about, I had a brain aneurysm or what am I going to do? And I was movement. I was learning new movement to relax. And it just, my sleep pattern was better. My memory started to improve because if you can remember, you know, a couple of years ago, there's not much that I could do. This is all that I could do, drive to class and drive straight home. And and that was it. And here we are. And I miss it. And I told you, I'm coming back. I told you, I'm coming back. And I did come back. Then the pandemic hit. Yeah. Uh, and although you are such an inspiration to so many people, uh, like really, your your attitude, your positive attitude, I I think that it really um, just lit up the school too. Like people really like felt how enthusiastic and positive you were with it, and it gave people a, a lot of encouragement for them to just continue with themselves and their progress. So Taiji, it um, really, really highlights how we are so used to trying to control so much. And a lot of times when we try to control so much, we get in our own way. Mm. And that's really the crux of Taiji. If you want to learn Tai Chi in its authentic form, um, there's a lot of Tai Chi that is just kind of an exercise where you're you're just kind of going through the motions. That's not going to help you as much as when you adopt this philosophy of really letting go, intending a movement to happen without controlling it to happen. 
And really understanding and quieting that part of our brain that wants to control everything. How do we like let that part of our brain quiet down and strengthen the part that is more about awareness and intention? And because if you intend something to happen, then it can happen without you having to control it all. And that's why I said to you, you know, when I started feeling the benefits the plus of the lifestyle, not just the lifestyle, the peace, the rest, the energy that I had. And when I'm home still recovering, I was less frustrated. Yeah. Uh, Things would happen happen in my day and they didn't bother me as much because I would, and it's not even taking a woosah. It's not even that. It's just knowing how to relax the body not be tense, listen to it, process it, deal with it, and move through it. And I started using what I was learning in class with you through everything else. And you're not tensing me. I'm going to control it. I am relaxed. I'm going to just walk through this. And it felt better. It it felt so So much much better. better. But so so I have to ask you. So So when I did did the book book signing, signing, and I, again, I say thank you because part of my healing journey was, I is have you. it right here. Oh, thank uh, you. We and had it at the school. I showed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, and I said to you years ago, it's going to be my mission to let people of color know about Tai Chi, especially black women. Um, and no, you know, stress is, is cultural everywhere, but I wanted to make sure that I introduced or let people know about your center, to know about you, this art of healing in our community, because it's something that we need. Yeah, so thank you so pandemic much. pandemic hits and everyone is now, they're tense, they're depressed, they're, the tension is there and it interrupts your school again. So, but there was a name that I mentioned that's been helping me. You said that you know him, which is the Reverend, no, the Reverend, the Dr. Stephen Southwick. Yeah. How is he attached to the school? I was surprised during the book um, launch event when you were talking about him. He was a private lesson student of Master Rai Ping's before Master Rai Ping left for Austin. He used to come to the the, the school, like, you know, where you came to study. He would come for private lessons with her. And I had actually, um, I, I saw him not that long ago because I did an event over at the VA. Okay. There was yes. a event there and uh, I did a, a demonstration, a little mini class and he was there and he came over and he said, hi. Oh, he is awesome. So if anyone doesn't know who the Dr. Stephen Southwick is, please Google him. We're not going to talk about him in this show because I want to hear more about the school after the interruption. But Dr. Stephen Southwick is the PTSD guru doctor in the country for PTSD. And he talks about resilience. And he is the one that watched my play when it was online. He emailed me and said, enjoyed it, loved it, but you didn't talk about resilience enough. Mm -hmm. He said, and that is what I want you to do. And he has been talking to me monthly 
we've met, we've talked, he coached me. And when you write your book, do this. When you write your book, do this. I said, who said I was writing a book? So <laughs> the book is about resiliency because of him. Mm, because he said, I had it and I needed to talk more about it. So that's why the book is about resilience. And that's why I give him credit for me being on this journey. But in our time left, Shirley, so the pandemic hits, the school has to close. You're resilient. You said, I am resilient. Tell me, what do you do? What did you have to do to stay afloat? Yeah. So Taiji, it is about accepting change. Like if you were to um, just boil it down to like one thing, what is Taiji? It's about understanding that change is a part of the world and you accept that you have to be able to change and you have to be able to adapt to changing forces. So the pandemic hit and we had to close. This is now my profession. This is the my sole source of income. And we just bought a house in Woodbridge too. <laughs> we moved to Woodbridge. I remember. Um, and so a new house in Woodbridge, I've got bills to pay. I have a mortgage, a much higher mortgage, and I have no school. <laughs> I had just also opened up a second location in Westport. So all of that had to stop. But I had wanted to go online for a while. It was something that I always saw a potential, but I was too busy just trying mm. to um, do what needed to be done every day. And um, so this wound up forcing me to have to come online. So this room, um, this is my kid's playroom. Okay. That I then converted into a home studio for me to be able to teach online. And um, I just jumped all in. I learned a technology that I never knew. I uh, learned how to be a content creator, a, a, a term I didn't even really understand until that point <laughs> it's like not something that i would ever think i would call myself a content creator but i had to become a content creator i had to learn how to be a twitch streamer i had to learn how to make youtube videos i had to learn how to uh, how to do instagram i created an instagram and twitter and it was just full speed ahead firing all cylinders you, i would see you pop up on youtube and on my phone and on my computer and i said she's there um so you did it resilience yes. you adjusted during the pandemic. And it's been amazing. Oh, oh my gosh, Odell, I can't tell you how amazing it's been to introduce Taiji to a whole new generation. We have people who are younger that are learning about Taiji for the first time when they come in and pop into my Twitch streams because it's this great environment where, you know, the internet is a very stressful place for the younger generation. There's a lot of toxicity there. So we have this little pocket of the internet that is this 
welcoming, positive community space. And um, so introducing Taiji and Qigong. And we it's a worldwide community. And we have people from all over the world that tune in. And the best part is um, this um, one of our one of my moderators of my Twitch stream, he didn't really know much about Tai Chi or Qigong before, but um, he had learned it with us on my stream. Nice. One day, he lives in Italy. Wow. One day he was walking home and he saw a group of um, people doing Qigong in the park and he recognized I know this is Qigong because <laughs> he was doing it and I explained it and he and there's a Chinese um, teacher with Chinese students um, because there is a Chinese population over in Italy and he approached her and now he joined in on those classes really? and it's something that would never have happened had he not stumbled onto uh, my, my channel uh, so it, that has been just the greatest joy is uh, being able to uh, connect with people around the world and introducing it to them for the first time. Thank you. This is I, I'm coming back, and Kathy says she's coming with me. So, so good um, you and I are going to talk after this. I can figure out where to come and your your new schedule. So we have a couple of minutes left, and Shirley, I have to ask you. You know, the floor is yours, and the audience is yours. I know what you have done for me. And when people see me, they say, outstanding job, Odell, I'm proud of you. You have recovered, you pushed through it, but I didn't do it alone. You know, in my culture, a lot of my faith, people tell me to just pray more, have faith, you know, God's gonna see you through. And yes, God did, but I had to take action. I had to do something and I had to push through it. I had to try. And it was difficult, but it was worth it. So in the last couple of minutes of our show, and I've said to, you know, our audience, I want our purpose of interruptions is to help people to find a path of healing. You know, healing. What is it that someone is going to get that to help them to deal through this pandemic, to deal with stress, a job loss. A lot of people are refusing to go back to work because they don't want to deal with the stress. And they're like, no, I've, I've been there. This pandemic, I've been home. I've been able to sleep. I've been able to walk. So coming to Tai Chi, tell the audience, how does it impact our health? Well, Tai Chi for the stress management is the number one benefit, even greater than just the physical exercise um, activity. It teaches you how to walk into that stressful situation without feeling that onset of stress. Stress is your body's physical reaction to the things that you need to do. If you have 10 things that you need to do and they may be big things they may be little things they're just things but how your body reacts to those things will determine whether it's stressful or not so how can we make it just things that we need to do without our 
bodies tensing up and our minds tensing up and you feel that constriction because the way that I like to describe it is, you know, it's winter coming on in New England. We all um, need to turn on our furnaces. We need heat again. So what Imagine your house. I have a pretty inefficient heating system in this house. Like that first winter, I had to get an energy audit. The first winter, I feel like I was spending so much money on oil. So much was getting put in. So little was coming out. Got it. Inefficient system. And this is how our bodies normally deal with stress. Like we expend so much energy, so much energy goes in, but you know, so little productivity comes out because it's just all wasted from our body's stress. So if you can get rid of that tension and stress, then just imagine how much more can you do if there's something you need to do and then you just get it done and you don't feel like oh my gosh now I need to decompress because that stressed me out so much like so many people like they go through this cycle you get really stressed out I need to decompress I need to get away I need to um you know de-stress but then you just go back into this vicious cycle back into that cycle yeah and taking classes with you I learned to take that home and I practice and I may not have been in the workplace. I still had interactions with people, you know, driving grocery stores, Mm -hmm. my family interactions, my granddaughter at school. I was just able to process differently. And I woke up one morning and I felt like my brain had did a complete brain dump that I was the best sleep. I ever had and I didn't have to take medication to go to sleep I you know could walk better and my posture has improved and I notice certain things and how I sit and how I stand how I walk so it has helped me tremendously so if anyone who saw me three years ago and said oh Odell you're you know look at you you know, Tai Chi has been a part of that. So you have been a part of that. So when they say, does it really work? I say, yes, it does work. And it's worth it. But you have to, it's different because you want to, you know, just try. But it's not about trying. It's about relaxing the nature of the life. And I truly, truly, truly thank you for being on our show and thank you so much for having me letting me share the story and introducing Taiji to your audience because it is something that is very important for me to let everybody know that Taiji is for everyone like if you feel stress this is something that you might want to try out even if you don't know anything about it just give it a chance it might help and it's a lifestyle i wish i had known about tai chi and not always taking my kids to dance lessons and all these other things that they're not doing now in their life but the discipline and the and the structure and how to deal with stress and change is inevitable if you're going to live so Shirley, our time is up and I just want to say thank you and I'll be seeing you. I'm going to bring Kathy. 
So thank you guests. Please remember to click on the subscribe button and prayers to my co-host Kathy who is home taking a much needed personal day. She needs some time off. So I'm, I miss you Kathy and I know you're going to see this say stop talking about me but I do and um, Shirley thank you. So thank what you so we try much. to do on our show is to talk about interruptions and to give people different options. There is no one way of finding a path towards healing. So it's for them to find out what's good for them, to embrace it, to touch it, to learn it, to try it. And I say thank you. Thank you again for being on my show. And I told you I put you in the book. <laughs> oh, this is amazing book. Everybody, if you have not read Odell's book, you have to such an Thank inspiring you. story i'm so so honored that i'm a part of your life oh, it means so much Thank to me bye-bye